to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Kevin, I haven't talked to Kevin about the message, um, and yet Kevin, his prayer, kind of hit the nail on the head. Identity. You know, where do you find your identity? Um, Back in the 70s, again, I'm going to date myself, but back in the 70s, is this on? Test, is it? All right. Um, back in the seventies, there was a band. I, they're still around. Uh, I think they're all still alive. They're probably ninety-four, but there's a band called the Who. All right, you guys know that the Who. They had a song. They had really. This is more simple time back in that day, and uh, they had a song called "Who Are You." Who who, who who. Who are you? Who, who? Who, who? Uh, it, it was a simple time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh, they had, but that song, that song talked about a guy who had, uh, talked about probably one of these guys who found themselves waking up in a, you know, in, in a doorway of, of an establishment and a policeman woke him up and, and, uh, the policeman knew his name, or the policeman, I guess, didn't know his name, and he he kicked him and said, "Who are you? Who 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 who? You know." And and the idea is, who are you? You know, they they were asking the question back in that day. I asked the question today to you: Who are you? Who are you? I mean, Kevin talked about identity. Can we find our identity in Christ? What does that mean? What does that mean to find our identity in Christ? What does it mean to? Uh, not have a life that is built on us, you know, what, what is it that, that makes you who you are? What is your identity? You know, uh, Kevin had prayed, you know, whether it was in a, if you found your identity in a relationship, whether it was, uh, a, a, a relationship that you hope for or a relationship that you're in, is that what you find your identity in? We're, we're going to go somewhere with this. But where is it that, and everyone has a different answer because everyone's life is going to be, we might have the same answer. Some of us might have the same answer, but you're going to think about it differently as you have that answer, as you come to that answer. Some, if you're painfully honest, God will not be in that answer. If you're painfully honest, the Lord will not be in that answer. That your identity is found in something other than that. And, you know, we can say, hey, I find my identity in being a child of God. That's that's it. I find my identity in Christ. That's what I do. Well, that's a great Christian statement. But do you really, truly find your identity in that? I, I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. You know it and the Lord knows it. 
if you say, I find my identity in Christ, right now you know whether or not you're telling a fib or you're not telling a fib. The point is, is that, and, and I'm not here to, 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 to press that down on you and to, to make you feel guilty. What I'm, what I want to do here today is to bring us to maybe a little bit of a, a better knowledge of why we should find our, our identity in Christ. Why we should find our identity in the Lord and in His plan for our life. Because we all know if, if you and probably many in here have, have experienced this, if you've ever been hurt in a relationship, if you've ever had someone leave you, you know that has devastated you. And if you've never been able to get beyond it, you just stay in this funk. You go about your life, but you always refer back to another time in your life when you had something, when you were something or when you were with someone. Maybe you had, you know, uh, wealth or popularity or fame or something, you know, maybe a job that you really like, but you don't have it anymore. And you always think back at that time. That was your identity. You found your identity in that. Um, When we do that, we find ourselves struggling to find reasons to get up in the morning at times. Because if you find your identity in anything other than Christ, well, man, this this rock that is floating around in this universe can get pretty depressing at times. Because this isn't what it's all about. One thing that, as a, as a pastor, as not not no, let me take that away. As a Christian, one thing that that I have an opportunity to do is I I, I get to see thousands and thousands of people a day as a pilot, and as a Christian, I look and I just look at thousands of people and I see not one familiar face. I, I very rarely see a familiar face amongst anybody that I'm around. Now, I might run into a pilot that I flew with or a flight attendant that I flew with or somebody I went to school with, you know, in, in, in you know, ground school, what have you. I've not yet run into anybody that I know that's just a passenger, that's just passing through a terminal or that's on my plane or whatever. I don't, I don't see anybody that I know. And one thing that, that strikes me, and it always strikes me, is that when I get into a large group of people, I don't know if you ever have this sense of, 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 of wonder, is that when you look at people and you go, how can there be this many different faces? How can there be this many different faces? You know, I just flew with a flight attendant this last trip, this last four-day trip. I was sharing with my wife. There's this, and I shared with Mandy today, she reminded me of Mandy. She looked like Mandy, but she wasn't Mandy. Her name was Kirsten. And, and she talked like Mandy. She had, her voice was like Mandy's. And so it, it was kind of messing me up the whole time, you know? And, uh, uh, and it, you know, I, I told her, I said, you look like, a, you know, a woman at my church and you look like you guys could be sisters, you know? And, oh, really? Is she nice? I say, yeah, she's nice. She's nice. She's nice. Okay, well, good. I don't want to have a jerk that's a sister, you know? And uh, 
She's not saved. But, you know, one guy got on the plane, and, and I guess she dyes her hair all the time. One guy got on the plane, a, a captain says, you look just like Kirsten, I can't remember her last name, but I, I can't, I don't want to say her last name anyways. You look just, has anybody told you you look just like Kirsten such and such? And she goes, uh, yeah, because you look so much like her. But Kirsten has uh, blonde hair. She goes, I had blonde hair. And he's going, yeah, wow, I'll bet you guys would look a lot alike if you guys, you know, were standing side by side. She goes, I'm Kirsten. <laughs> and he's going, what? Whoa! You know, and it, I mean, it, it, it sincerely flabbergasted the guy, you know? He was going, man, you look just like a flight attendant that I flew in with, you know? But she had dyed her hair and she looked totally different, you know? But when we look at faces, one of the things that I do, I look at faces and I just go, God, how in the world did you do this? It blows my mind that not one person looks exactly the same as someone else. And so everybody has the things that make them tick and the things that they repel. And and as you do in this room, as you, whoever's listening to this, you have something that you have an identity in. Who are you? Who, 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 who? Who are you? Who are you? And if the answer is anything other than the Lord, here's, here's the thing. I would respectfully say to you as I say to me, we've got to reevaluate what we're doing, what we're doing in life, who it is that we're trying to live for. Because here's the thing, if I live for someone, one thing that I've learned and you have learned if you're an adult and you haven't yet learned probably if you're a kid, and that's this. Those kids that you are trying to impress and that you're trying to remain, you know, uh, popular with, those kids that, that seem to be that if they don't accept you, your life will be over and all that kind of stuff. Uh, do you know, in like 40 years, 30 years, you're really probably not going to be friends, Facebook friends. I've got a lot of Facebook friends. But not one of them, I don't need any of their approval. I don't seek their approval. I don't, there's nothing about them that I have to have in order to be me. And, and so, if you're trying to find your identity in the acceptance of others, stop. Just stop. Because if you're an adult, you look back in your past and you go, you know what? All those people that I, that I thought I needed to impress, all those people that I thought I needed to be accepted by, you know what? They can really give a hoot about what's going. <laughs> hoot. That's our word today, okay? Who? They don't give a hoot about you, really. I mean, they might, oh man, that just is really bummer. One thing I see on my Facebook site is that when you start getting to my age, your classmates start dying <laughs> and and they start going away. And someone says, oh, hey, everyone from class of 82. 
Did you hear such and such passed away? And you get people go, oh, that's so sad. I'm, I'm so sorry for him. Two posts later, they're just, you know, kicking up about other things. Life goes on. The, the point is, who are you living for? Who am I living for? If I'm living for someone else, I'm going to find myself wanting. I'm going to find myself struggling to always attain to someone else's expectations. I, I, I will find myself struggling to, to be accepted by others. And you have to only do that for a season or a lifetime to find out you're never going to please everyone. You're just not going to do it. And not everybody's going to like you. I think I'm a kind of a guy that I like people. I'm not a guy that I, I personally, I, I, you might think totally something different than me. My perception, I think I get along with most people. I think I, I try to get along with most people. I try to look at the good in people. I try to. Don't always succeed in that. But here's the thing. I think that I, I can get along with most people. And, and I can, I can talk with most people. And, and yet, again, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter what they think about me and what they think about it, 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 you. When you live your life, when you, when you are trying to make yourself acceptable to other people, you're going to find yourself wanting in a way that you're, you're going to spend a lifetime wondering, why didn't I ever measure up? Paul, he gets into this. He, Man, this is a long introduction. I think it's, it's a necessary introduction because I think that we in the church are struggling with this. I really think that the church struggles with this today. I think that the church as a whole struggles with this because the church has lost focus. Church as a whole, not just Calvary Chapel. I'm saying the church as a whole, the Christian church as a whole has lost focus on really where they need to find their identity. Paul was a guy that, that understood and yet he's a guy that struggled too. He's a guy that he understood where you would find your identity, but he understands that when when self starts to creep in, you begin to find yourself really like in self flagellation, self beating yourself. <laughs> okay, you 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 find yourself beating yourself up because you 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 aren't attaining to what it is that you think you need to attain to. Christians can struggle with that big time too. And, and then you get to yourself to a point where you go, what's the use? What's the use? That's a bad place to be too, also, or to, to get to also. What Paul is, what Paul is doing here in chapter two is he's saying this church in Colossae had an identity and then they lost it because somebody came in and threw extra expectations upon them. And the next thing they know is that they're going, wow, I don't know how to live. I thought I was happy, but I guess I'm not. Talked to my dad the other day. Actually, it was two days ago. I was talking to him on the phone. 
I said, Dad, hey, uh, you know, talking to you two days ago, you know, we're doing real good. How you how you feeling today? How you doing today? And he said, Well, son, I'm feeling about the same as I did when we talked the other day. And I said, Oh, well, Dad, I was under the impression that you were starting to get a little bit better. And he said, Well, Cheryl, that's his wife. Cheryl, Cheryl says that I'm getting better. I said, well, then you must be getting better. You got to listen to her. And he said, yeah, I guess if Cheryl says I'm getting better, I guess I'm getting better. I said, no, you, you, you need to get up. You need to move out. No, th- that was supposed to be, I kind of actually be kind of a little bit of a giggle. But the point is, I'm okay because my wife says I'm okay. <laughs> but I don't feel okay. But I don't feel okay. And so the church in Colossae, they were, they were going like gangbusters. Everything was going good. And then people started creeping in. And they began to say, oh, you guys are Christians? Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, are you keeping the law? Huh? What law? What are you talking about? Hey, have you guys all been circumcised? Boys, men, we're going to check you later. Because if you aren't, you're not. You're not right with God. Really? I mean, are you abiding by, are you going to all the festivals still? Are you observing the Sabbaths? Are you doing all the things that you're supposed to do? Well, uh, we got saved. We believed in Jesus and, and we were saved. Oh, but that's not all. You got to do a lot more. You had to, you got to do a whole lot more. And then they got confused. All of a sudden they were, they were content. Now they're not content. They had an identity in Christ. Now no longer do they have an identity in Christ. Someone came along and put expectations upon them and they listened to the expectations and then they began to feel like second class Christians. And, and you and I, You've heard the very popular phrase, live for the audience of one. Just live for Christ. Live for him. Live for God. There you go. Live for God. Okay, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to do it. Well, all in, in your power, you, you, you can't do it. That's one thing. What can happen is that if you envelop yourself into the Lord and you understand it is not about me, anymore uh, song will probably be singing next week um, Jesus lover of my soul it's all about you and all this is for you Jesus lover of my soul all consuming fire is in your hands you know it's all about you it's not about me as if you should see things my way. <laughs> God doesn't need to see things your way. We need to see things God's way. Because if I trust me, if you trust you, you see where you get you. As a kid, maybe you don't haven't learned this lesson yet. Just listen to yourself and do everything that you yourself tells you you need to do. And you're going to find out you're a mess up just like the rest of us adults. You're going to find out that you aren't going to make all the right choices.
and you're going to regret and there will be consequences to those choices. And if you don't understand consequences to choices, it's just going to take one, you know, big slap up the, the side of the head by, you know, uh, uh, an accident and what may not even be an accident. One stupid decision on your part because you thought you needed to do something and it hits you and you realize, well, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. If only there was somebody that could help me to understand what I needed to do. And here's the thing, there is. There's the Lord. Paul's going to, in the, the, the best way that he knows how, the best way that he can articulate to teach these people, to teach these people that he's never met before in letter. He's going to say, it's not about you guys. Don't find your identity in anyone else. Don't find your identity anywhere else. Find your identity in Christ. Why? Because if you find your identity in Christ, if you find your identity in God, here's what's going to happen. When you live for him, it's not about you. You're going to make decisions based upon what he would have you to do instead of what you would have you to do. And to some of you, you might go, oh, yuck, how boring of a life would that be? I don't know. I look at anybody who gave their life to the Lord, their life to the Lord and followed his path. I see anything but boring. I see anything but boring. The world tells you you're boring. The world tells you that you're not cool. The world tells you that you're not accepted. But again, who are you living for? Well, I'm living for the acceptance of friends because without friends, you have nothing. Isn't that what we're taught taught to, to learn? Isn't that what we're taught? Without friends, you're nothing. No. If I have God, I have everything. I have everything. Jesus told the disciples, you're going to be hated by everyone for my name's sake. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. They hated me first. You're going to be hated by people. Get over it. You're not going to please everyone. Get over it. The one that you and I must strive to live for and to be accepted by. And it's none other than God. Paul, he says here in in, um, Colossians, and I'll back up a little bit. He says uh, in verse uh, 6, that's where I'll start. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in Him. All right? They're simple. Are you a Christian? Yes. Okay, walk like a Christian. Walk like a Christian. Um, walk like a Christian. That, like three people understood that. Walk like a Christian. If you've received Him, then do what He does. Walk like Him. If you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, well then so walk in Him. All right? rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding with it in uh, abounding in it in with thanksgiving all right be thankful that god picked you yeah i i said in one of my prayers during worship aren't you grateful that god picked you i was a mess up man i was an idiot and and god loved me And God chose me. God picked me. God was on the playground when 
he had the ability to pick anybody on the playground that day. And he said, I want Don on my team. He, he pointed at me. You know that when God came to you, he could have picked everybody else, anybody else in the world, but he picked you. He, he pointed at you and he said, you're mine. He picked you. I think that that's the greatest thing in the world. That God picked you, that God picked me. I'm blessed. You're blessed. We're blessed that God loves us. Does God not pick people? God loves people. God gives everyone an opportunity. I'm glad he gave me the ability to, to make the right choice. I'm, I'm to be rooted and built up in him. What does that conjure in your head? I, I think it conjures exactly what it conjures up in my head. I think of a tree that has roots that bury down deep in the ground. And that when the fierce winds come, that tree is like, yeah, you're going to have to do more than that. I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. I'm rooted. Now, if, if my roots are just on the surface, we call those tumbleweeds. I don't want to be a tumbleweed Christian. That when the wind comes, you just blow away in any different direction. There's a lot of tumbleweed Christians in the world. There's a lot of tumbleweed Christians in the church today. There's not a lot of deep-rooted oak Christians in the church today. So being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you've been taught. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to tradition of men. So Paul is addressing these guys that are coming in and saying, oh, you shouldn't feel good about yourself because I know that you say you're a Christian and, well, that's a good start. But unless you do these other things, you can't right, be right with God. And so you were content, but no longer are you content. He says, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty, empty deceit according to traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. For in him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Okay, so everything that God was in bodily form, Jesus lived it amongst the earth when he was on the earth. When he was here with us, when he was with you, when he was, when he was with the disciples. And he even has it today. In him dwells all the fullness of God bodily. All right. And you, here's where, here's where we are. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So you got guys that are coming in saying, well, you, you've accepted Christ, you've received Christ. Well, that's a good start, but it's not enough. And Paul's going, he wouldn't use this word, but because hockey hadn't been invented yet. Bull hockey. No, you are complete in God. You are complete in Christ because in Jesus Christ, in bodily form, dwelt all of the fullness of God. And he died upon a cross for you. He did this for you. You find your identity in Christ. You find your salvation in, in Christ. You find your forgiveness and your right standing with God in Christ. Not in anything else. You're complete in him. You need nothing more. People don't like to, like to think that it's that simple to become a Christian. They want to add other things upon it. Hence, 
the how many ever denominations we have. You gotta do it this way. You gotta do it that way. You can't sing that song. Can't do it that way. Can't do, and you got all these things. I'm not against that. We're a non-denominational church and you'll see in the bulletin, it's not that we're against denominations. It's just the overemphasis upon the, the points of their denomination and not upon the word of God, not upon Christ. We're going to be different. Do we find our all sufficiency in Christ? That's all I care. Paul, Paul says, he said back in, in first Corinthians, second Corinthians, he says, when I came to you, I didn't come to you wanting to know all of everything that everybody has to say. I didn't come to you with excellency of speech. I didn't come here trying to persuade you with words. No, I came here only wanting to know this one thing. Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's it. It's the answer. That's the answer. Oh, yeah, but we, well, but you can't have this kind of music. You can't play. I mean, I grew up in a church that said don't have electric guitars and drums in your church. Don't go to a church that has that because those are all satanic symbols. Those are from the devil. And the pastor said, stay away from Calvary Chapel. Our pastor literally told us to stay away from Calvary Chapel. Because we were of the devil. Because the, or because the Calvary Chapelites were of the devil. They play devil music. I've never once heard one song that elevated the devil. What did that pastor do to our youth group and college and career group? He drove every single one of us to Calvary Chapel to find out what was going on. And you know what we found? That our pastor wasn't being truthful. He knew nothing. He hadn't visited. Our pastor was trying to scare us into staying at his church. And I'm ashamed for him that you would do such a thing. You're bringing a bruise and a black eye upon a ministry that's serving the Lord because it doesn't fit your denomination. They're non-denomination, you know. Non-denominational, you know. Really? Don't get caught up in a denomination. Don't get caught up in Calvary Chapel. Calvary Chapel became a name because it was almost kind of a silly name. Why would anybody go to a church, you know, that, 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 was Skull Chapel. That's all that it is. It's like the skull and crossbones. You know what Calvary means? Calvary means Golgotha. What does Golgotha mean? <laughs> that helped me out a lot, Pastor Don. Good. <laughs> Golgotha. Oh, I understand now. No. Golgotha was the, was the hill where Jesus was crucified. It looked like a skull. It's called the place of the skull. Golgotha, that's what Golgotha means, the place of the skull. And so you go to a church called the place of the, Col- the, place of the skull chapel, Christian fellowship. I mean, you throw Christian fellowship on to be nice. I'm just joking. No, here's the thing. It's not in a name. What is it that you teach? What is the emphasis? What do you find your identity in? Hopefully and prayerfully, we find our identity in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Our mission has always been to know Christ and Him crucified. You get a letter from us, it says on the bottom, to know Christ and Him crucified. When I teach, 
to know Christ and Him crucified. When Kevin teaches to know Christ and Him crucified, it's the underlying message that we try to get out all the time. And the point is, we can't find identity in anything else. And if I can find myself satisfied living for the Lord and trusting in Him, guess what? I'm going to lose friends. I'm going, you can be sure of it, you're going to lose friends. If I'm going to live for Christ, find my identity in Christ, I may not get everything that I think that I need. I might not have every relationship that I think I need to be in. I might not get the job that I think I need to get. I may not have the money that I think that I should have. I may not, whatever it is that you think you might have to have, you probably won't get all of that because God loves you too much to leash you down and to anchor you down to something that this world strives for that constantly pumps into you. If only you had, if only you had, if only you had. That's what commercials are all about. You got to get the new hamburger at McDonald's because this is what's on it. And it looks fabulous. You ever notice every one of those commercials for whatever whatever restaurant it is, have you ever had anything that looks like that when you go and order that? They're smashed, they're sideways, the burgers, are. you go, hey, can, can I just have one that looks like... I got kicked out of taco, or out of uh, Del Taco, and that was a big thing back in California, Del Taco, back when I was in high school. For lunch at high school, I ordered a burrito. And I, I ordered it, and I... It came out, and the burrito, you know, it's wrapped up. It's about this tall, and there was this much meat in it, and it was like flat on the top. And I, and I looked at it, and I said, hey, um, can I get more meat in it? No, that's it. It's weighed by volume. And I looked above, and I said, can I get a burrito that looks like that one? How much does that one cost? Well, that's what you got. I don't think so. I don't think that that one was put in there by volume. Because that one, that one doesn't look, look, it doesn't look like, and I was maybe a little over, get out of here. I'm going to call the cops. I got kicked out of Del Taco. What the world says, oh, you got to have, you get it. And you go, well, you know what? This wasn't everything I needed. You got to have the car. I got to wash it. Got to have that boat. Oh, man, maintenance bills are crazy. Got to have the house. Oh, my gosh. It's so big. The taxes on this thing are killing me. You got to have, you got to have, you got to have. Got to have that girl. Got to have that guy. They're so beautiful. They're so handsome. And then they go off. And because they're so beautiful and so handsome that A lot of other people think that they're beautiful and handsome too. Do they have a brain? Do they have a love for the things that you have a love for? Do they have a walk? Like you have a walk? Oh no, but they're going to get saved one day. I'm going to missionary date that person. They don't know Jesus yet, but man, they will when I get my hooks in them. Because I'm going to get married to that person because that's what I need. And you find out it's a whole lot easier to get drugged down into the world than to draw someone who's in the world up to you. 
and, and you have to have something. You have to have something. And only you find yourself ripped apart because it's not what you thought it was going to be. But here's the thing. It'll never happen with God. It'll just never happen with God. That's why God says, I'm jealous for worship. I share my glory with no man. Why? Is it because God's this narcissistic, evil taskmaster in heaven? Absolutely not. It's that God understands. If you try to find satisfaction in anything else in this world, you're not going to be pleased. You're not going to find it. You will be singing like the 93-year-old Mick Jagger. I can't get no satisfaction. For those of you kids, that was a rock and roll band, okay? <laughs> and he tried. And he tried. <laughs> but here, and the kids are like, huh? I, I still don't get it. He's crazy adults. <laughs> Ask your parents on the way home, I guess. Here, here's the thing. You're not going to find satisfaction in this world. You'll find satisfaction in the one who created you. Don't you think that the one who created you know and knows what makes you tick knows how to satisfy you? He knows how to give you hope when you've run into a place where there is no hope to be seen. That when you feel helpless, it's out of my control that the one who created it all and is in control, do you think that anything that you're going through is too big for him? When you feel no love and you feel like everybody hates you, that he is love and you can find love in him? Here, here's the thing, guys. It's not about the things that you can get in this world. It's not about that. Do you want to be someone that can give hope to the lost? Do you want to give hope to the hurting? Do you want to give hope to the hopeless? Here's the thing. Find your hope in the Lord and live for that. And then when you're living in that and you recognize that, here's what's happening. You then have an opportunity to share that with someone else. And, and you're able to, to share with them Christ because you are complete in him. You know, we it, it, a real term of endearment statement. Oh, my love completes me. Here's the thing. I, that person completes me. Really? What if that person was taken out of the way? Would you still be complete? No, never. I would never be complete ever, ever again. And I understand that heart. And I understand, I understand, and I don't want to put, you know, to, 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 to talk against that because there's some of you have lost people that you love tremendously and it hurts and you'd love to have them here. But if you're a Christian, as much as you would love them to be here, you understand that that person didn't complete you. God completes you. 
Tragedy happens. My dad said it. I don't like to hear it. Son, it's going to happen. I'm going to die. Yeah, I don't want you to talk like that, Dad. It's going to happen. I'm 86. How much more can I do? I, I don't know. I just don't want to talk about it. The thing is, my dad will pass away one day should the Lord tarry. And you know what? I'll still go on. And you know what I'll still be complete in? The Lord. And you will be in the Lord. You're complete in the Lord. Don't let anybody come along. I'm going to read through this very quickly. I want you to hear what these guys say. Here's what Paul says. You are complete in the Lord. All right? These that have come in and said, well, you have to be circumcised. You have to live according to the law. You have to be baptized this way. You need to, listen, he goes, listen, in him, you're complete in him. It's who is the head of all principality and power. There's nobody above God. All right. He says, guys, gang in Colossae, guys, gang in Calvary Chapel in, in here in Sarasota, Florida, in him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. So they came in and said, you have to be cut. You have to have a portion of your skin cut off, men, in order for you to be a real Christian. And Paul says, that's hogwash. In him, in Christ, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. What it is is that when you came to Christ, he cut away your sin. He washed away your sin. He took it away from you. He made a public spectacle of it. He just took it away. You don't have it anymore. You're clean. You're complete. You're accepted in the heavenlies. You're accepted by the beloved God. It's not in anything that you do. You can't physically do here anything on the earth to make you more acceptable to God other than simply believe because you have no you have no works that are going to require God to grant you eternal life the only thing that you and I have is to simply believe and it seems simple they were going no you got to be circumcised paul says you were circumcised with a circumcision that was without hands the day you believed and those men might have looked down and said, but I, I, I still have some skin there. And Paul would say, it's not about the skin, man. It's about what has happened in your heart when Christ grabbed a hold of you. Really? Is that it? Yeah, that's exactly it. Paul says, you were buried with him in baptism. Were you? Yeah, I was. That's right in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Do you remember that? Yeah, I was baptized. I was baptized. Well, there's a circumcision right there. You cut away yourself. You cut away who you were. You cut away what you used to be. You died to self. That's baptism. That's why we dunk. We don't sprinkle. One other, I'm not against anybody that sprinkle. You sprinkle? Okay, I don't care. I just like the whole picture of the dunking. Why? I mean, and there's churches that will divide over this. I don't care. Are you baptized? 
You know, is there a, a denomination out there that the pastor with his Holy Spirit goes, you know, and you're baptized. I don't care. Are you baptized? Did you get baptized with the right, for the right reasons? Here's the thing. I believe that when you go in the water, you are walking in the water under your own volition. I, everybody has been baptized. You've heard me use this. You walk into the water under your own volition. You did it. I'm not forcing you in. Nobody's forcing you in. You're choosing to follow Christ. And you're publicly telling everybody on the shore. We do it down at the beach. I'm walking in the water. There's a guy out there and there's some people that are kind of standing around and the rest of the beach is sitting there going, what the heck are these guys doing out there? They're they're not playing in the water. What are they doing? They're standing out there and they're holding on to each other, talking. What's that guy? He's dunking him. What's he doing that for? He's dunking him down backwards. The idea is, when I dunk you down backwards, the idea is, hey, you're laying down into a watery grave. Can you breathe under there? No, Aquaman. (laughs) You come back up out of the water. You died with Christ. You're identifying with the death of Christ and his burial. You come back up out of the water. You took your life under your own volition. I walked in there because I want to follow Christ and I want to publicly tell this beach that I belong to him. And when I bury you, I bury you. It's no longer about you anymore. I bury you into the watery grave. I don't hold you down there for a long time. And then I pull you back out. And when you come back out, it's like, it's a picture and an identification of the resurrection of Jesus Christ coming out of the tomb. And when you walk out of the water, I'm walking in new life. I walked in as dawn, living for dawn. I'm walking out. I died. And now I'm risen again in Christ and I'm walking out to follow Christ, to live for him, have a brand new life. That's what I like about dunking. You can't have that with sprinkle. But if you're sprinkled, (laughs) praise the Lord, you're baptized, all right? If that's what it meant to you. But that's what baptism is. You being dead in your trespasses. When... You were buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him in faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. It's the picture of baptism and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. He has made alive together with him having forgiven you all your trespasses. Having wiped out all the handwriting of requirements that was against us which was contrary to us he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross. What's he talking about right here? The handwriting that was against you were the law. It was the law of God that you had to abide by that you could not abide by. I don't have time to get into it but the point is is that when Jesus Christ died on the cross the law no longer has a power over you because Jesus Christ set you free. He wiped it away. He looked at, he wiped away all of the handwriting that was against you. The handwriting of the requirements that was against you. You don't go to God based upon the Ten Commandments anymore. You go to God based upon the relationship that you have with Christ and His death and His resurrection. Nobody could live according to the law. Not one man, not one woman ever lived perfectly according to the law, save one, and his name was Jesus. And that's why he was holy enough to go to the cross and die on a cross for you. And he wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against you because he died in your place. He did what you couldn't do. He did what I couldn't do. 
He's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. That's what Paul's talking about. Having disarmed all principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them. The point is, is that all of the demonic activity, all of the, the, the horrible stuff that's out there, Jesus said, I'm dying on a cross. I'm making a public spectacle of all of the things that you think that you are under the power of. You're no longer under the power of those things anymore because I've won. I beat. I beat it for you. You couldn't do it. I did it for you. You don't have to succumb to the pressure of the principalities and the powers that are upon this earth anymore. You have me and I am all powerful and I will not succumb to temptation. I will not succumb to, you know, uh, sin. I will not, I will not cower away from the enemy. I will fight for you and I will make a way for you to escape temptation. I will make a way for you to stand strong in the day of trouble. I, the living God, am in your heart, living every and breathing every single day of your life. Follow me. Listen to me. I've got a plan for you. Man, we make, we make living so, I make living so complicated when I live for me. Therefore, Paul says, hey, don't, don't, don't let anybody judge you in food or in drink regarding a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Those things are all just shadows of things to come. But the substance, all those things were, were pictures of who Christ was going to be. All of those Sabbaths, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. All the festivals, all found in Christ. All of the sacrifice, all found in Christ. Everything, the blood that had to be shed for the sins of the nation, found in Christ, he shed. All of those things were shadows pointing to one day being perfected in Christ himself. Now that you have Christ, why are you going back to the things that were back there that were pointing to him? Why are you bypassing the fulfillment of them to go back and get under the the, the, the power of those things. Paul's saying, don't let anyone rob you of that. Some, you're going to get hammered as Christians. Oh, you need to, you know, there's those that are out there that say, you got to worship on Saturday only because that's the true Sabbath. And if you're not worshiping on the Sabbath, you're going to go to hell. Seventh-day Adventist church, they, they were a part of saying, hey, if you worship not on Saturday, that's the mark of the beast. You are not going to heaven if you worship on on Sunday. If you don't worship on Saturday, that's the mark of the beast. You're going to hell. What? Where did you get that? Ellen? I saw it when I saw Jupiter and it had rings around it and there were angels around the rings. That's where I saw it. What? Stop it. Quit trying to just persuade people to follow something stupid. Stop it. What does the word of God say? Well, it's the word of God plus my writings. That's the only way to understand truth. And that's exactly what it is. Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Seventh-day Adventists. Read this, but you can't read this and understand it unless you have our book. Read it through our our eyes. That's the only way you're going to understand it. I say, you read that extra book, they're trying to send you to hell. 
And Paul says, that's who he's talking about right here. Beware of those guys. Beware of those guys. I'm telling you now, beware of those people. But they're not going to, they're so sincere. Hitler was sincere. Was he right? No. Sincerity isn't the parameters by which we're accepted in the Lord. I was sincerely wanting to kill that person because they were not nice. Oh, well, it's okay then. It, it, sincerity isn't the isn't isn't the, the 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 parameter by which anything is correct. What does the word of God say? Truth. It's been found in the word of God. Paul says, "Don't let anyone rob you of your reward." Taking delight in false humility and worship of angels intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind and holding fast to the head and not holding fast to the head. They're not holding fast to Christ is what he's saying. From whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, they grow and increase, which is from God. Therefore, he goes on, he says, listen, if you've died with Christ from the basic principles of this world, gang, why is though that living in this world, do you subject yourself to regulations? Why do you think that you're going to find acceptance in the Lord by doing things here on the earth, by doing what the world tells you you need to do? Don't do that. Don't do that. You got to do this. Got to do that. No, 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 no. Your sufficiency is found in Christ. You are complete in Christ. Gang, you're complete in Christ. I don't do this very often. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm complete in Christ. Complete in Christ. You're a complete. It works for other guys. It just didn't work for me right there. But here's the thing. You're complete in Christ. He says, these guys, they have this false humility about them. If you died in Christ from the basic principles of the world, why? As though living in the world, do you subject yourself to regulations? Don't touch, don't, don't taste, don't handle, which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things Hey, indeed, Paul says, I'll give it to you. They have an appearance, they have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but they are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. They're of no value. I'll continue. Well, leave you on a very good note here. He says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on this earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ is who is our life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So put to death your members. Don't live for you, live for Christ. Where do you find your identity? Who, who are you? Who, 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 who? Hopefully, not a whoville, not a who from whoville. Not, not, not somebody who's trying to find their identity in anything else other than Christ. Here's the thing. He's given you the ability to live your life fulfilled. He's given you the ability to live your life in such a way that you can have contentment. But you got to look to him for it. And that's my prayer for you guys. Live for Christ. Because you know what? If you live for anything else, you're going to find yourself wanting. You're never going to be satisfied. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. 
So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.